You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. We're going to be getting a series entitled Signs of the Times. Everybody is asking that question, when are the last days among us? Over the next five weeks, we'll be discussing the end times and the last days. Hope you enjoy it. God bless you. Well, we are talking about the signs of the times, and it comes from the Bible. Uh, This part three, I'm entitling the word vanished, or in other terminology, biblical terminology, the rapture. Uh, It was C.S. Lewis that says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything. C.S. Lewis had some real insight there that once you begin to understand the Bible from beginning to end, when you understand the consistency, the circulation, the the prophetic uh, reality and truths, you begin to see a plan of God that's been set out for us throughout the ages. And so we're talking about the end of the age with the signs of the times. There's going to come a day when all those whom you love and who you're a part of, known as the Bride of Christ, will suddenly disappear and completely vanish without a trace. If you happen to be in this position and you know people that have suddenly vanished, you yourself will be in a very precarious position. For that would mean that you've ignored the warning signs and have missed what the Bible calls the rapture of the church. And the rapture means Jesus taking his church to where he is, into glory. The signs of each new day coming at dawn is so seldom thought about in all its illuminating power and miraculous glory. I mean, think about it. The coming of dawn, the sun's superpower rays of light obliterating the darkness of night with its superpower qualities, destroying the hidden objects of the nocturnal world, They're no longer hidden, they're seen. No more crawling through the cold shadows, worrying or wondering what's out there. The sun makes everything come alive. You can see it. You can see the things around you. The Bible says it's new every morning. Most of us seldom even think twice about the miracle sign of God's faithfulness at sunrise, with its solar power unleashed each morning, bringing warmth and beauty around and, and filling the earth. On the occasion when we do pause to watch the glory of the sun rays, uh, I'm not sure it leaves the shock and awe in your soul that it should. I hope that it does. I hope it's never the same old sun, just the same routine, just the same familiar objects that I'm seeing. Now, lightning, a lightning strike, that's different. Lightning moves at the speed of light and there is terror in its strike. Lightning has no twilight and it has no sunrise. It's there, and it's gone. The fullness of a day in a flash. Lightning transforms everything in a blink of an eye. In a nanosecond, the world can be instantly changed, transformed, different. Lightning ripping the darkness from the darkness. Lightning is the speed at which the Bible describes the last days and the speed of the coming rapture and Christ's return. That's how fast it is. Predicting the coming rapture of the church is like predicting where the next bolt of lightning will strike. Whereas we cannot know the exact day or hour Jesus gives uh, about his return, through there are a myriad of warning signs. 
warning signs, by the way, are not given as threats, but given out of love. They are given to keep you on the right path while in the darkness, while when everything is crumbling around you. That path is a path that leads to light. So I don't want you to be deceived by the routine of the day. These days are anything but routine. The Bible warns that the coming of the Lord will be a lightning strike. The moment when Jesus strikes like lightning, everything changes. The Bible says, For just as the lightning comes and flashes, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. The Greek word harpazo means caught up or snatched away. Not just snatched away, but snatched away by divine energy. And that's where we get the word rapture. The rapture of the church is a major doctrine of Christian faith, not unlike that of the incarnation of Christ, the birth of Christ, the death and the resurrection of Christ, or it's, it's as major as salvation by faith. Yet, seldom do we discuss the rapture of the church until perilous times when men or women are yearning to know what lays ahead. Today, more than ever, the rapture is vital for living a God-focused life now. Controversial as it seems that living beings can be snatched away, raptured out of this world by a force greater than gravity, it's a biblical truth. It's a biblical truth. No more controversial as Jesus being born of a virgin or coming alive after three days of being in Hades or somehow the blood bringing forgiveness. It, the church of the living God will be raptured at lightning speed, happening without notice and so quickly that those without the knowledge of God's word will not even recognize that it's occurred. And soon they'll forget about the people missing or that it even happened. But the rapture is our blessed hope, the Bible talks about. The, the Apostle Paul reveals this blessed hope in his letter to Titus with the words, Live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The blessed hope of the rapture was given by a special revelation to Paul in detail from Jesus himself about his imminent return. It is one of the most important and powerful key signs of the last day's events. Here is what the Bible says. Here's what Paul's revelation says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them we, are still, we who are still alive remain on the earth will be caught up, snatched away, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these days, with these words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. Loved ones, Paul is saying with great clarity that in the final days, a trumpet will sound. The shofar will go off. By the way, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, begins at sundown September 18th this year. And Christ will come, snatch away, rapture his bride, and in a blink of an eye, transform that bride the bride is known as the church that's another word for the church the bride the body the church all synonymous first those who have died will be resurrected resurrected of the dead in christ then those who are alive meeting him in the air to be with him forever 
So there's a number of things happening here. I'll explain that in just a moment. All this happens before, before the coming great tribulation begins and the wrath of God really is poured out on earth. So we can say, what a comfort, what a hope, what excitement that we call the blessed hope. That's absolutely amazing. It may, be, it may help you to understand that the rapture of the church is not the second coming in itself. It's not the fearsome day of the Lord itself. The rapture of the church is the beginning event of a sequence of events ending with Jesus coming again with his church. It the rapture starts the last days or the, or the tribulation, but it doesn't uh, complete it there. It begins with Jesus coming for, the, for his bride and then returns with his bride later on after the seven years of tribulation to establish his kingdom on earth. We call that last millennial, the last day of creation, connecting it with the millennium of a thousand years, the millennium reign which at the end is when Satan is released from Tartarus, the bottomless pit, and the final battle of Armageddon occurs with all Satan's evil angels and his cohorts and those who have never bowed their knee to Jesus. That's when, at the very end of that, Gehenna, uh, the lake of fire, is brought into view and the new earth and the new heaven becomes established. The final days before the second covenant of Christ will be the most extreme judgments ever to hit the earth. Not a temporary judgment like that of Noah's flood, which mankind in time recovered from. It's not like Sodom and Gomorrah's judgment when the hailstones and sulfur uh, obliterated the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. That was a localized judgment. But the seven years between the rapture, when Jesus returns for his church, and the fearful day of the Lord is going to bring everlasting judgment. That's going to be challenging. That's a final judgment. There will be no more uh, earthly judgments. The Bible says the earth will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. I'll talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks, the tribulation and the wrath of God. But in this, we see the blessed hope that Paul talks about again. At the close of the last age, judgment, the judgment that I just mentioned, the sun darkening, the moon giving no light, that's not going to fall upon the church, upon his bride, those that are in Jesus. But that will fall upon those still in the world and all that remain and all who remain. If you are in Jesus today, you've bowed your knee and given your life to Christ, you need not be worried for the end of the birth pains is when your deliverance comes. We may be in the beginning of the birth pains, but we won't be here at the end of the birth pains when the real tribulation begins. People often have said to me over the years, they don't need a savior. How wrong will they be in these dark days? To be made right with Jesus is to have a savior whom scripture says is able to save to the uttermost. You need to draw near to God, but when you do, he will save you to the uttermost. I am talking about consequences and retribution and punitive actions that will absolutely terrify people. Those people remaining after the rapture, will they, they need us. They'll need a savior. We need a savior. I need a savior today. Saint of God, you cannot even begin to understand what you have been saved from 
it's going to be that terrible. Dear believer, the rapture is one of the most vital truths to hold on to right now in your heart. All the more as you see the day approaching. For it affects you personally. It touches us right where we're at right now. We're the ones living right now, not ages past, but for you and I right now. It impacts us. Listen to more of what Paul's revelation says. He says this, Behold, and I love the word behold. It kind of, it's a, a word meaning uh, exclaiming of a seemingly impossible event and yet still occurs. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable body, perishable body must put on imperishable and the mortal body must put on immortality. He writes this to the Corinthian church in his first letter. You see, the vanished are going to really stir things up. Here it is, church. In the flash speed of a lightning strike, the dead in Christ will be united with their resurrected body. What's that saying? Those who have died previously to the rapture will be raised. Those who died with Christ, the Bible says, absent from the body means present with the Lord. They're going to be resurrected and once again be united with a new glorified body, an imperishable body. Those of us alive will be given their new glorified body. You can see that when with Jesus when he uh, died on the cross and then when he rose again. He was able to, even though they recognized him and saw him, knew who he was, he was able to go through doors without opening and rooms. and He was able just to appear. There's something special in the glorified body that we can't really understand. But as 1 Thessalonians 4 reveals, those who are living at the rapture are going to be snatched away. And here's the beautiful thing. They'll never taste the sting of death again. What does that mean? It says, when the perishable had been clothed with the imperishable, when that which was temporal is brought into eternal, imperishable, and the mortal will be immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Something transpires in our physical being when Jesus returns and our perishable body that usually is just meant for dust will be clothed in perishable. It will be immortal. The blessed hope is again revealed in this. Just think about it. After the rapture, you never experience sickness of any kind. Corruptible bodies are made into incorruptible Perishable bodies that get broken and hurt and injured, that waste away, turn to imperishable, renewed, strong bodies with no sickness and disease. No coronavirus to fear after the rapture. No wheezing or sneezing, no gasping or groaning, no puffing or panting. Listen, it gets better. No cancer or chemo treatments. No falling apart or falling down. When the rapture happens, no more worries of children dying when they shouldn't before their time. No more hospital beds or gravesides. There won't be debts, collections, and debt agencies after you. No, in a blink of an eye, you are transformed and translated uh, to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. It's a fantastic, fantastic thing. Jesus told his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. 
I'm going to prepare a place for you, and when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will be with me where I am. That's often a text that I would use at funerals, sharing the love of God, that he's come and he's prepared a place. And that's where you get the home in heaven and the mansions and all of the things that the Bible talks about. That's where he says it, Jesus speaks it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. He's going to prepare a place for us. That's, that's the rapture. That's a moment in time for us right now. That is the blessed hope that moves me each day when I wake and helps me to choose how I'm going to live today. It changes my attitude quite a bit on what I think about that. Paul's, behold, I tell you a mystery, statement uttered in the inspired word of God, describing what takes place at the climax of the age is the blessed hope that needs to direct your steps. You are not living in futile times. You are not living in times that you can't overcome and be victorious and strong in. No, as children of the light, walking in the knowledge of the resurrection, the rapture, and the return, man, I can get excited. I'm not fearing these days. I'm not worried about these days. And all of the different complicated uh, things that people are going through and sharing with me and, and pointing out and from doctor's reports and health clinics and, and uh, uh, health units and governments. I, I get it. It is challenging. It is tough. It is difficult. But I'm telling you, I am looking forward to the resurrection, rapture, and return. I walk in that light, and it gives me great hope for the day I'm living in. See, when you establish Jesus as the Lord of your light, life, and you begin to understand God's purposes, my daily debt is not to governments or to uh, all those people that I'm in debt to, but to Jesus. But to Jesus. My, my debt is not to to all the things that are putting pressure on me today. My debt is to Jesus. Christ followers draw close to him during these days and say, like Jesus said, and I try to say this, my, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus says that relatively early in his ministry. And what I take from that over the years that I've been the pastor at Maple View Community Church and uh, for longer than that even, is my I understand that my debt to God is payable to man. That's a great little statement. My debt to God is payable to man. So I, I try to live it out the best I can, caring and loving for all men, all women, from all walks of life, from all backgrounds, from all races, from every area. My debt is payable to man, all men that I meet. So I believe that whoever has their eyes fixed on Jesus, that there is this blessed hope that never fails or ends. It reminds me each day that I go out into a world that's full of hostility and challenge that we win before the end. I win before the end. The church wins before the end. Not in a military conquest at this moment, but a, the winds of being delivered from the pain and the agony of this creation. The concepts Jesus shared through the revelation with Paul were to help each other uh, and deal with the sorrow and the confusion regarding the loss of, lo loss of loved ones to death and to those alive and waiting his return. There's such hope in these words. That's why it's called the blessed hope. The blessed hope remains constant through the days, through the years, through the months, through the, through the millennial from since his resurrection. That blessed hope has existed for those who have known Jesus, that it's not the final moment here on earth. After the resurrection, 
Jesus had appeared and disappeared and then reappeared to the disciples many times over 40 days before he finally ascends into heaven. When he left the last time, the angels told him, those watching him ascend, that he would be back. Days had turned into months and then years. For those that were waiting, there was shock and confusion and questions regarding those who had died. What's happening to them? They're, they're dying and Jesus hasn't returned. They were wondering, your bodies may turn to dust, but they do not remain dust. That's what he's saying. You, you may be in the grave, but you do not remain there. Your clay jar is a vessel that is filled with a special treasure. Your, your, that clay jar may be laid in a grave, but the treasure within you, your spirit, is present with the Lord until the day of resurrection when your body is reunited and the rapture happens when you receive your glorified bodies. Again, Paul's writing, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. I'm not grieving as someone has no hope. We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring him back with his believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord, Paul says. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Meaning, we're, we're, we're going to go with Jesus, but we're going to see those who have died before us. They're going to be resurrected, reunited, and we're going to meet them in the air. That's going to be exciting. So without, And I realize this can seem complicated for some of those of you that might be just first hearing this. It's, it is complicated. But to make it as least complicated as I can, you're going to be reunited with those who have died in Christ, who have made decisions for Jesus, and they will meet you who are raptured and transformed, be transformed in the twinkling of an eye in our new glorified imperishable bodies. All of us will then re will attend the reunion that the Bible calls the marriage supper of the land in the kingdom of heaven. So when I say the best is yet to come, that's not just a nice way to end days or end services or anything like that. No, it is absolutely the moment in time where I believe the best has yet to come. The best has yet to come. Lastly, church, Jesus has given us so many signposts over these last number of years. And these signposts don't come as threats, but as a love from God. It's his love. It's the you know like a warning signal at a railway uh, crossing. Those lights aren't going a crazy blinking red and flashing and sounds going off to threaten us to say, hey, you better be careful. They're not going off uh, that train. You may not even see the train, but they're going off to warn us, to caution us, to point us away from the coming tribulation and wrath that's coming. The rapture is Jesus keeping you safe in the hour of trial and testing. That's, it's his way of rescuing his bride. It's, he, he, he comes for those that are in him. But no promise of God is automatic. It's not, it's not just because you deserve it. It's, it. You have to do something about it. In Matthew chapter 25, right after the dissertation on the Mount of Olives that I've talked about in times past, Jesus tells a parable of the kingdom of heaven being like 10 bridesmaids waiting for the groom. Waiting for the groom. There they are. Tells this parable. He says, 
Five of them were foolish and five were wise. All ten brides were given time to have enough oil in their lamps. It was, it was make sure you're prepared, make sure you're ready, in case the groom comes at nighttime. And so as you don't miss him, your lamps will be full of oil and you'll have enough. So if he comes, you're not going to miss him. The five foolish never prepared properly. They didn't bother to get ready. They didn't go fill up their lamps. The five wise took along extra fuel just in case. They thought, you know what? I want to be prepared. I want to I be absolutely ready. Then the Bible says in chapter 25, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Then at midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All ten bridesmaids jumped up to meet the groom. But the five foolish didn't have any fuel to light their lamps. And by the time they had gone to get some, the door of the marriage feast was locked, the Bible says. And even though they begged, begged, calling the Lord, let me in, let me in. It was too late to be let in. The groom calling back, believe me, I don't know you. Jesus ends the parable with these words. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Listen, to the vanished in the rapture, to vanish in the rapture means guarding against that lukewarm faith, uh, whatever feels good faith which can so easily lead to what the Bible calls a shipwrecked faith. Shipwrecked faith means when believers' consciences become hardened, when they no longer notice the voice of the Holy Spirit's conviction. Those lukewarm, along with the shipwrecked, see the last days as dark days, fearful days, worrisome days. They're panicked. They're isolated. They're drawing apart. They're 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 just they're they're in such anxiety and fear and worry. I don't want any of our church to be in those particular days. The ones that they feel overwhelmed and overcome by pressures and stresses that all kinds of people are putting on them from all kinds of places. The uncertainty of the days certainly can add to the the weight of our of our problems for sure. There's so many regular problems and things to battle through. But here is the reality. These are fearful days, but if you are in Jesus, there's no need to be afraid. When the rapture happens in the last days, and if these are the last days, we're going to be prepared, church. And if there's still more days to come, we'll still be prepared. We'll do our part. My food is to do the will of him who sent me until he comes again. I will continue to serve him. This is an exciting day. I used to say that there are two days that I would love to live in. The first days that Jesus came, which would have been the birth of the church and being and seeing him, I, I hope that I would be among the faithful that I would have chosen him and not crucified him. And the second time would be the last days where I see him to return, when we're raptured and we get to celebrate with him in heaven. Those would be two amazing moments, amazing days. There, No man knows the day nor hour or time, but I'll tell you what. We can see the signs of the time. 
And I believe the signs of the time are drawing to an end. Somewhere in the near future, Jesus will return. And I don't want anybody to be lost. If you're listening to me this morning and don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I would ask you to bow your head and invite him into your life. I would ask him, I would ask you to consider asking him to forgive you of all your sins and committing your life to Jesus. He has a great purpose and plan for you, not only just for this life. Do not just look at the temporal. You must begin to look to the eternal as well. Thank you.